Yo, yo, what's up, my people? Welcome back for another episode of the All Things Bengals podcast with yours truly, B Things. I'm trying to stay down a bit right now. Um, I'm in my lady's condo down in Hilton Head, South Carolina, so I'm not trying to be too loud. Um, look, off top, guys, not a ton of new news today, but some fun shit to get to involving this game. Um, as I typically start off, we got to start with the injury updates. Not a ton from a couple days ago, um, but good signs, though. Obviously, beyond the L, we all know the gist of that by now. He's out for the year. Hayden is good to go uh, per Zach. He's fine. The extra nine days from the previous game on Saturday to this next Monday was just a great opportunity for Hayden to get 110%. He feels great right now. He's super confident. He's feeling good. Everybody's feeling good. And... um ready for him to get going. A big one was Sam Hubbard returning to practice today in a limited fashion. He looked good. He looked really good. It was not expected that he was going to come out today. It was not expected. When Zach initially brought out the time frame for him coming out of that Bucks game of being two to four weeks, typically when you say the two to four, you lean towards the the latter. The four weeks, the three weeks minimum. And with him coming back in a limited fashion today was really encouraging. No, that does not mean he's going to play. It's completely up in the air right now and probably more so leaning to keeping him out this game. But this opens the door that we did not expect to be opened at this time. So it's a great fucking thing with Sam. Um, Awesome to see. So Sam back in limited fashion. Um, We had some fools. Obviously, Hayden, Jalen Davis back from that thumb, um, and Trent Taylor, who's been dealing with the nagging hammy. Uh, They've been taking it super easy, super cautious with him, not pressing anything too much. Obviously, since he's receiver five now, you don't need to worry too much about that. He's not on the field that much at this time. So making sure he's been getting right, uh, and he is. So he was full. Um, So that's it for our injuries. Um. And, of course, the big storyline right now is right tackle. Not just with Andrew Whitworth, as that stuff's kind of dying right now. You know, as it was fun, above all, a fallacy until proven otherwise. Um, look, the guys we got to deal with is identity. And the main thing here is Prince is more in the picture than we thought. Isaiah Prince and Adenogy, the job is up in the air. Zach said it is unknown on who they're going to start on Monday. I didn't expect it coming, um, but you could see why that this door is open like it is. Look, Prince started for us last year. Yes, it was ugly. Yes, he posted a 2.4 overall pass blocking grade in the Super Bowl, but that was against Von Miller and Leonard Floyd. You're not having to go up against a Von Miller or Leonard Floyd. Leonard Floyd, ironically, Von Miller's on this team now that Isaiah Prince could have started against if Von would have been healthy. That would have been fucking ironic. Um, it, You got to get by. It's, this is how this part of the year goes. You got to make shit happen. It's a makeshift line. You have to make shit fucking happen. So it's up in the air right now. I feel like it's probably Adenogy's job because... They had the opportunity to bring up Prince to the active roster and to play games this year. 
ahead of Adenogy if they felt that optimistic about Prince. Like, Adenogy was in those jumbo sets. The sixth lineman, the swing tackle this year over at Prince. And Prince has been around for weeks at this point. Yes, he started the year on IR, but he's been around for weeks. So, having him in the mix, I get it for giving him the opportunity. But if I had to guess, speculation, you assume it's going to be a Dennis' job. And we're most confident with that over Prince right now. But that's a significant update. It's up in the air. Nothing official from Zach. Yo, I want to give you I want to give you guys some stats real quick. Listen to this shit. So, this was a big stats day. Big stats day. You guys saw my post on my story. If you guys follow me on Twitter with my homies, lots of stats going around. Lots of great stats from a lot of awesome dudes. Super smart dudes out there. I love my guys. They post amazing content, amazing data points, more than what I know beyond my comprehension. I'll just kind of piggyback on some of this shit, uh, but this I know. Per PFF, Josh Allen leaves the league in turnover-worthy plays at 29 this year. In 15 games, he leaves the league at 29. For Joe Burrow, per PFF, he has 11 turnover-worthy plays this entire season. That includes six in the first two games. Since week three, Joe Burrow has only five turnover-worthy plays. I'm sorry, six turnover-worthy plays. Five in the first two games. Six turnover-worthy plays since week three. That's a whole 12 games. The dude has six turnover-worthy plays. Five, I'm sorry. Damn, I I got my numbers mixed up here. Five turnover-worthy plays in 12 games. And ironically, he had three in the Bucks game. He had three in the Bucks game. Insane. Insane. Two completely different animals. Josh Allen gives that ball up. He gives it up. And of course, it's all shoulda, coulda, woulda. The stats are the stats. We know this. I preface this every time. So you guys can embody this, that we don't just run on excuses around here, just hypotheticals. We run on the landscape of reality. The landscape is not just one direction. It's the whole 360 scope. So the three, three, the 360 scope here is with the picks. We know how most of Joe Burrow's picks happen. We know it. The ebbs and flows. He's been on the fucking downside of these ebbs and flows for fucking weeks with these tipped passes. I mean... It was a horrible stretch for a while. Joe had three straight games that a ball was tipped and intercepted this year. Three. That fucking sucks. That sucks. Josh Allen, on the other hand, I'm not saying none of his 12 picks or uh, 15 picks, lead leaguing 15 picks, are all, you know, horrible passes, but more of them are. They had not. Josh Allen threw two picks last week. They were bad passes, bad decisions. He threw a deep, um, he threw a deep, I'm thinking it was a post, a deep post to Diggs in double coverage. The safety clearly broke on it. He was in the lane. He was in the passing lane just seven yards away from Diggs when the pass broke down, and he was sitting right there for the ball. It was a terrible pass. Uh, I forget what his other pass was. I think it was to Dawson Knox. 
Nonetheless, Josh is more prone to throwing those boneheaded picks to where as soon as the ball comes out of his hand and you're looking on the TV, you know, um, broadcast or whatever the hell, and you're like, no. For Joe, it's a little bit different. It doesn't mean that they can't happen to one another, but it means that the opportunity is going to be there more against Josh Allen in those fucking picks than Joe. So that's a crazy stat I wanted to give out. I know I was spitting some stats yesterday on the episode, or uh, two days ago, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I know I went down some crazy Josh Allen stats, but <clears throat> look, we all love Trent Irwin, Trent Irwin, T.I., Joe Burrow, the T.I. merchant. <laughs> love the run with that shit. Listen to this. Games played this year, Trent Taylor, Trent Irwin, my bad, Trenton Irwin, seven games he's played this year. Steelers receivers, 80 games this year. Total total games. Total games. Most times Steelers have five receivers. They bring six up for a handful of games. 80 total games for the Steelers receivers this year. The Steelers wide receivers have five total touchdowns this year. Trent Irwin has four. Like, that's just an embodiment of what these teams are, of what these offenses are. That's insane. Plus, what if T.I. would have brought down that fucking third touchdown pass in that game? And what if the ref would have called the correct call in the Panthers game when T.I. got both toes down? Remember that? The play before Joe Mixon caught his touchdown pass on that legendary five-touchdown day. Trent Irwin caught that touchdown pass. So... Let's just say the refs count those. You have six TDs from a dude that has played seven fucking games for us this year. Awesome to see. It's fucking amazing. Because I was thinking about it. I was like, damn, I mean, the Steelers didn't score their first reception from a re- or first touchdown from a receiver s- till week seven or eight this year. So I was like, they can't have a ton. And of course they don't because they're a terrible offense. <clears throat> Look, the biggest game of the year coming up Monday night, guys. Um, it's as all it's all that we anticipated. As soon as soon as this schedule came out, we knew what this game was going to be. Oh my god, January, fighting for the top seed, week 17. Are we gonna bring out the white helmets? Unfortunately, no. But prime time. I mean, it could be the biggest game of the year. That's exactly what the fuck this is. Some stats for you guys. 23 combined wins. Per ESPN. Heading into a Monday night football game. 12 between the Bills, 11 between the Bengals. That's the most ever in a Monday night game. Heading into a Monday night game. 78 combined total touchdowns from Joe and Josh. The most ever for a Monday night game. I get it. It doesn't mean quarterbacks haven't faced off and they've been electric heading into a Monday night game. But at this time of the year. So it's a huge win from the teams. From the Monday Night Football broadcast, from NBC, CBS, whoever the fuck, ESPN, I don't even know who's casting this game. But a prime time. Massive time. I mean, it's fucking incredible. Look, two top-tier offenses with sturdy defenses. So some of the breakdowns I'm going to go through, I'm going to try to bust this out quick because I do got to get going. I'm going to get back to the next next episode for y'all uh, once this episode ends with my homie Drake. Can't wait for that one. It's going to be lit. Look, some weaknesses for these teams. I'm going to run down them real quick. Josh has been prone to giving the defense's opportunities with the ball. As I stated earlier, 
the 29 total turnover-worthy plays, that's big. He's been on a stretch of giving two to three lately. Each game, two to three, whether that's an errant throw, a fumble, as he makes incredible plays. Josh is an incredible player. You still see that where he takes it too far, and it goes sideways for him. The defense has to capitalize on that shit. The Bills linebacker core can be picked on through coverage. They've given up a lot of yards this year, a lot of catches. Yes, they play a lot of nickel, and they end up putting themselves in situations to where the linebackers are in deep, more deeper zone coverages. They're expecting the ball in the middle of the field. So you could say that. The Bengals have given up a lot in coverage for the linebackers, but they still give up a lot. And if Joe is good at anything, that is staying patient, dissecting the field, and getting the ball where it needs to be across the field in front of linebackers. Another opportunity is with rookie six-round cornerback Dane Jackson starting on the outside over 2022 first-round pick Kyer Elam, a guy that we were probably going to draft if the Bills didn't get him right before us. Kyer Elam has been a healthy scratch multiple games this year, has been getting burnt, Toasted, been a bit out of place, and has been missing a lot of tackles. Um, I'm sure he's probably going to be active for this game because they need all the help they can get on that back end against our receivers. But that's a guy that can get picked on. He's been okay. He's been all right. But same with CTB, even though he's been all right, and he's stepped up at times, Dane Jackson has not been CTB, and CTB's been getting picked on. If you know Joe can dissect anybody, it's going to be the weakest link, let alone any other player he can dissect. So that's a weakness right there. Their defense ranks 32nd in tackling per PFF. 32nd. The Bengals defense ranks 5th in that category. 32nd. That's a huge opportunity for Joe, for Samaje, for our guys coming out of the backfield, and of course, for Jamar, T anybody. But, like, what if you catch Jamar in a scenario to where he has to break a tackle or two? We know how incredible he is at that shit. Better than anybody in this league at the wide receiver position. Jamar, and his ability, his running back-like vision, his ability to break tackles, his elusiveness with a defense that struggles to tackle guys, <laughs> the opportunity is there. They're ranked 29th in pass defense per PFF as well. They give up yards. They give up yards. This defense is pretty good in run defense. They are pretty damn good. But 29th in the pass defense, that's a spot for us to dissect right there. And here's an interesting one. Shout out to my homie. Uh, I think Bengals Drake came up with these stats. If he didn't, of course, I always give credit to my guy because I appreciate the fuck out of him. But whoever did find these stats, if it wasn't him, Appreciate you because these are interesting as fuck. Seven receiver ones this year against the Bills have had 100 plus, 100 plus receiving yards in a game. Seven times. The Bengals this year against number one receivers? Might be. My dog's going crazy. Receiver ones going against the Bengals this year have had 100-yard games just three times. And only five 100-yard receivers all year against the Bengals all year like that's incredible fucking shit incredible shit so the Bills are prone to giving up yards 
That's piggybacking off of what I said just a moment ago, the 29th in pass defense. That's some of the weaknesses for this Bills defense. Um, obviously, some of the weaknesses for the Bengals heading into this game, right tackle. We all know it. It's an obvious one right now. There's some optimism with the Denigy. But look, he's going against a steadfast guy in Greg Rousseau. He's a young, quality player that um, was obviously a good compliment to Von Miller, who was still playing with real fucking star power until he went down with the ACL and the MCL. Um, AJ Epinesa, some quality guys, just to name off top. Um, uh, do they have Arnold Epicady? No, that's fucking Falcons. Um, damn, what's the other dude is slipping my name? Or slipping my head, I forgot to write his name here. But good edge guys. Nobody to overlook. That interior is nice. Ed Oliver, names like that. That's a good interior line. That's a sturdy fucking defensive line. No elite guys, but the landscape is different with Adenogy or Prince starting at right tackle now. As I championed so much with this O-line, heading through the gauntlet that we did with the Simmons, with the Joneses, with the Watts, the Haywards, the big-name guys, Judon and Uche last week. Yes, not saying those guys did nothing, but they also didn't completely wreck the game like we've seen all the fucking time in the past. They didn't do that. These guys are not any of those guys. None of them. They aren't. But Russo isn't far off at all from a Josh Uche. He's not. So... There is an opportunity there for that Bills defense to wreak some havoc on that right side against Prince or Denigy. But, as I will say, because I haven't had said this as much as champion with who we've gone against, it's shown that Joe, when he faces one premier pass rusher, just one, one premier guy, it's not enough anymore. Not saying that Joe was unable to face those guys and navigate through a pocket with those guys. It's just because the O line was so bad. And Joe has improved, obviously, you know, from his first couple of years navigating through the pocket, even from earlier this year. It used to be a bigger problem. It's not like it was back then. Joe can navigate with one elite guy as long as the O line holds up in the rest of the spots. So, what I'm getting to is yes. That Bills defense on that right side can work. It can wreck some. But Joe can fucking wreck some against one premier guy too. Like he has. Like he has almost every fucking time he's played in that landscape. So that's what you're hoping for. Out of a scenario like that. But that's a Bengals weakness. An advantage for the Bills. Another advantage for the Bills. These corners. These corners. Look, CTB has been getting picked on, especially the last two weeks. As I've championed, and as we all have seen with CTB, he's been on the good side of making that play when it matters most. He's made them against the Browns, against the Bucks, against the fucking uh, bitch-ass Patriots. He's made that final play, that final PBU, that final tackle short of the first down. That final tackle short of the goal line. Whatever it is, he's made it. But 
doesn't mean he has not been targeted at and production has been put up against him because it has. Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, um, Khalil Shakir, which is a little shifty guy that's going to be working more inside the slot, not going to be affecting on the outside much. Um, there's guys there. There's a guy, oh, Cole Beasley, John fucking Brown. They're trying to run shit back from two years ago. A little speedster in John Brown and a quality guy in Cole Beasley who's been producing as soon as he came out of retirement for them. I ain't worried about him at all. I ain't worried about Gabe Davis completely breaking something open, but I'm worried about the quick and shifty guys. Gabe Davis is a real dude now. Nobody should be sleeping on him. But of course, it's nice that everything's came back down to the reality that fucking people were fapping over him so much heading into the offseason with that four-touchdown, 200-yard game after being a nobody in the Chiefs game, um, divisional round. Credit to him for that. But they were saying he's better than T. Higgins. He's a top 10 guy. This dude ain't fucking... Pff, I don't even know if he's top 20. This dude ain't top 20. This dude may not even be top 25. This is a guy. He's a good player. He's a good player. He's not a great one. But he can get over top. Eli's got to be ready. CTV's got to be ready. Mike Hilton has to be ready. This receiving core can do some work against these DBs, these corners, I should say more specifically, with the help of our safeties, the other part of this DB secondary. They have came in clutch every single game this year. They have faced some of the premier passing offenses this year. You expect that to continue and be the same as it has all year in this game. Step up and make the biggest fucking plays. Look, when the Bills are healthy, when the Bills' uh, safety unit is healthy, that's probably the best safety unit in football. Or, or best safety tandem, I should say. They're not the best safety room because we have great young stud and Dax Hill. We all know this, but this is the best safety tandem in football. Show it by helping these cornerbacks that need it. All right, so that's a weakness. Okay, and the Bills have a really good disciplined defense. Okay, so that's another you know thing that can that's gonna be difficult to navigate through. And of course, we know with our offenses, don't have to go a ton into that. Bills' offenses are really productive. They get points. They're good red zone offense, good red zone defense. We are a top red zone offense and a top red zone defense. You're talking top of top in both categories. Facing off. Literally, I think these teams own all category. well, uh, are top three in all of those categories heading into this game. Red zone D, red zone O. Both of them. If I'm not mistaken, from what stats I saw. So you're talking about an extremely lethal fucking offense. Both offenses, top two. Bengals, second. Bills, first in third down efficiency this season. Top tier. Third down defense, that's where the Bills are a bit shaky. If I'm not mistaken, damn, I wish I had the fucking picture on me. Um, If I'm not mistaken, the Bills defense, I know it was at a middling number. 16th to 19th, 15th to 19th for the Bills, and we are 5th overall in third down defense. So that's an opportunity to get up on the Bills there. Versus with us, 
even though they're a top-tier offense, we face top-tier offenses. We've navigated through third down this year, and we have stepped up to the occasion enough against teams like the uh, Bucks and the Chiefs. We've done it. It does not mean it'll happen that game, though. You have to make sure you're on your fucking P's and Q's. P's and fucking Q's. Gotta be on your A game. So, that's the landscape I'm gonna give right now, yo. Um, it's a great game. We all know this shit's about to be awesome, man. I'm so excited. So excited. As y'all got the gist of by now, each episode this week is gonna be pushed a day back because the Monday night game. So, with my homie Bengals Drake, we're gonna record an episode on Saturday night. As I told y'all, I'm down here in Hilton Head. So, sorry if the audio isn't as, you know, is a bit different than it has been in the past. Um, just navigating through that shit. So, look, an interesting thing is um, I was more so earlier this week, I was expecting a potential L. Like earlier in the week, Sunday, Monday, I was like, I was actually leaning towards a Bills win. Like, because I know how a lot of people complain about how I predict us to win every week and blah, 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 even though we're the best, you know, arguably the best team in football right now. People get annoyed that I predict us to win every week. And I get it. I get it. Of course, I believe that we can win every week. But the reality is that we are arguably the best team in football. So we can win every week. If I think we can flat out win every week, I'm going to predict us to win. But this week, we can very well lose this game. Because this is a great Bills team with a great young quarterback. But as I've navigated more through stats, data... Watching this Bills team. I've been amazed by what I've seen. This is a team that above all, yes, they put up points. And they fucking win. Alright? So I'm not here to just be a stat nerd. And just champion stats and say, oh, this is exactly what this team is. Because I found this one of fucking 10,000 stats for the Bills. Lots of stats I've found. Lots of stats I've accumulated. This Bengals team is flat out better. <laughs> In so many stats. EPA. DVOA. I mean, offense efficiency in many categories. Defensive efficiency in many categories. Time of possession. Third down efficiency. Fourth quarter production. Red zone production. On both sides of the ball. We outmatch them in most of the categories. That clears eye test from what I've seen. And the stats and data obviously are there. So, I am confident that we can win this game. Of course, I'm not going to go into that much right now in tonight's episode. Um, I will end up going into that with my homie on Saturday. Um, but this is just going to be a great fucking game, man. It's going to be a huge test. Huge fucking test. Can't wait for it. Um, recording this on Thursday night, so whenever y'all listen to this, if you listen to it Friday morning, Friday night, whenever the hell you want to double up, listen to it before the Saturday, um, episode, and then listen to the Saturday episode on Saturday night when you're with your homies, fucking do it. I don't care. I don't care. Whenever you want to listen to this, man. Appreciate y'all for listening. I do. So, um, appreciate you guys, and I will end up getting back to you on the Saturday episode with Drake. So, peace out, y'all. Have a good one. Who day?